Hello, welcome to this Denton's Real Estate Podcast. We're joined today by Matt Bowen, Head of Commercial Agency at Kirkby Diamond, who's here to discuss the general market in respect of office lettings on a company called Purple Bovine Limited, who are a global logistics and distribution company who are looking to move their UK satellite office, which is currently three floors to a one half floor office with shared facilities either within London in the surrounding counties or potentially even out of town. Uh, the key considerations for Purple Bovine are obviously the floor space of the office, also the facilities, uh, the fit-out. They're looking to have a Cat A fit-out or better, and also the EPC rating. Obviously, in the current climate, they're looking for either an A or B rating on the EPC. So, Matt, obviously, welcome. Do those considerations broadly reflect what tenants are typically looking for in the markets, or are there any other matters that you typically expect tenants to be raising? I mean, certainly what we're seeing is since the COVID uh, pandemic that it changed the amount of days that people were in the office or whether they were in, a, in at all. A uh, survey that was done last year of firms that uh, employed over 100 people found that the most days that people were in were between two and three days a week and they didn't actually expect it to ever get back to full five days for all of their staff. So what it has done is it's meant that space needs to be adapted to accommodate a more flexible working environment. And what we're seeing is staff retention and staff recruitment is one of the main factors that companies are looking for when they're taking space. So with it being very staff driven in their thoughts, it means that they're looking for a great deal of amenity space. So breakout areas, uh, we're certainly seeing a lot more uh, companies looking at where they're going to put a pool table, sit, seating areas for lunchtime, making that whole experience a lot better. That means that typically those spaces to get the, the best space for your staff typically means it's grade A space. Uh, grade A obviously being yeah, the best, the most modern, the newest, the freshest, and what we'd say is the best in class. So we're seeing a lot of companies going for that now so that they're not causing their staff to say, why am I coming in? I don't want to come into this office. It's depressing. I don't want to be here. So they've really got to work very hard on getting the staff back in. And I think companies are beginning to accept that to build a team, to build some loyalty to a company, it's not just about paying people's wages because if all you're doing is paying someone's wage, they never come in, they don't feel any sense of belonging, then they can just leave if someone offers more. So we're seeing the move is for grade A space. More than 50% of the transactions last year were for grade A uh, accommodation. Also, we're seeing for more energy efficient buildings, uh, that's certainly a trend that we're seeing with potential occupiers. Um, everyone is looking for energy efficiency, carbon neutrality as quickly as possible. And that, again, is something that only grade A buildings can give you because they have the most modern M&E in terms of air conditioning, insulation. And that really is yeah, the types of building that people are looking for. We'll circle back to the ESG and environmental sort of sustainability side of things as 
that is an incredibly hot topic at the moment. But just on the flexible working point in the amenities, how are landlords sort of typically offering for that to be achieved? Yeah, I mean, landlords are looking at it in a variety of ways. It's creating, if you've got a building that is let floor by floor, it's setting aside some of that space to uh, be shared facilities where they're meeting rooms, uh, kitchen, breakout areas. We've got a building currently where they're taking part of the parking away to create a gym for the use just within the building. It's only 23,000 square feet, but they feel that if you've got a gym in the building, it encourages people into their space. And, and they're an um, online casino company. And for them, having the right people is the most important. So landlords are looking at that and saying, well, we've got to have a more efficient building got to have more breakout space and there's not a shortage of space out there so if you want someone to take it it has to look good now there's no point saying to a tenant if you come along we'll do x y and z for you it has to be right now so landlords are engaging with agents engaging with fit out companies and we're seeing a lot more buildings provided as tenants would want them and we're also seeing a lot more of what we'd call Cat A+. So Cat A is the best space. Cat A+, is, it has a desk, it has the furniture. Basically, you could just walk in, plug in your IT, and you'd be ready to work. So landlords are actually doing the thinking of tenants. That's really interesting. Thanks, Matt. Just on, obviously, we're talking about fit outside and things. Is typically a tenant's looking to take out, take up a new space, or is it often landlords who are adapting their existing space for those new needs? I think what we're seeing is the mentality of landlords of here's the space as it was let out before. When someone comes along, we'll put new carpet, decoration, and reconfigure it. They're now coming up against competition that have already thought that. So, They'll have it in a almost usable condition. Um, people might want to make some alterations on partitioning, but to provide pretty much what most people would want. And tenants are coming in and saying, we want you to make a slight alteration. We want you to do it. So the landlords are having to do the work that typically a tenant would take an open plan floor, even put in their own carpet, get some rent free for it. but tenants now saying i don't want to do that i want to turn up day one and be able to work that's yeah that's interesting to hear obviously i said i'd circle back to the sg side so i guess here it is typically in the past i think it was always sort of a, a nice to have to have a epc rating of an a or a b but obviously with the changes to the Mies regulations this year where the substandard rating now applies to current lettings as well are we increasingly seeing that tenants are essentially demanding a high EPC to cover off the potential that a letting that, say, at a D rating, which is currently not substandard, would become potentially become substandard in the future. It's certainly, for the last few years, been something that was on firms' radar in terms of taking more efficient space. I think that's accelerated uh, due to um, the changes in the cost of utilities, uh, whereas before it was a nice thing perhaps to have on marketing, uh, perhaps as yeah, social responsibility to have a more efficient building, when it actually starts hitting the bottom line on profit because inefficient buildings cost more money to heat and light and 
when it does that, it's costing firms more money and it, it's more profitable to be in a, in a better building. It also counts with staff as well. Inefficient buildings tend to be less attractive, are not as pleasant to be in uh, because you can't heat or cool a building that is inefficient. So it, it's one of the most critical bits. Um, and again, that's why grade A is the most transacted space because grade A buildings are more modern or have been completely retrofitted. And those are the ones that have the new M&E and are more energy efficient. So it's not just down to sort of the changes in regulations then often it's coming down to sort of company's bottom line and also how employees actually feel in the yeah, building. Yeah, well, I think so. In uh, 2025, it will be a C rating or better. We were slightly concerned uh, previously that a lot of buildings had no chance of ever being a C, uh, let alone a B rating. But actually stripping out, say, gas central heating, uh, putting in new M&E, changing fluorescent lighting into new LEDs uh, makes a significant difference. And they are economically achievable, whereas we thought that there would be a lot of buildings that would be obsolete, whereas now they won't. So we've talked a bit about the amenities and how staff feel about coming into, into the office. Are there any other incentives that landlords are typically offering to tenants at the moment? Um, I think it's really focused about giving tenants what they want. And the most critical is that it works for a business overall and obviously as i said in terms of staff liking the space and, and wanting to work there in terms of rent freeze and things like that it reflects how much demand there is and how much supply there is so we've not seen rent freeze dramatically increasing so you'd still typically be one month per year term certain as an incentive and then how much work is there to fit it out what's the cost so if landlords are doing the fit-out work, incentives aren't increasing because that's built into the deal, really. Um, whereas it used to be nine months rent-free to contribute towards fit-out, the landlord's fitting it out. It also depends on who the landlord is. We've not seen a change really in rents, and we've certainly not seen a downward pressure on them at the moment. But that may well come if the economy certainly looks, looks a bit um, downcast. If you're an investment company, so Central London, it, it's not, yeah, Mr. Bowen um, or Mr. Jones who own the building, it'll be an investment fund. And they specifically look at the value of the property, not necessarily the rental income as such, but they need the rental income to be at a certain level for it to stack up on an investment. They would rather give a lot of rent free to still be at £60 a square foot than to do a rental at 50. So it can depend who the landlord is as well and their motivations. That's, that's good to know. Thank you. So in this case, so Purple Wave owner, they're not particularly concerned about timescales, but just as a sort of point of information, are there any sort of typical delays or blockers that we're seeing within the market, whether that be simply finding the right property or, or, or throughout the sort of negotiations and and sort of throughout the, the process. Depends on the size and space you're looking as to how forward thinking you are in terms of going out and having a, having a look in the market. Typically within a year, I'd certainly say that there's no reason why you wouldn't have found space. But if it's that important to find the right space, which we're seeing it is, 
certainly you need to be giving it a good period to be out there looking for the right kit. You don't want to get to a position where you've got to stay in a building that you don't want to be in because typically you're going to have to sign up for another five years and landlords are not particularly forgiving on you not having time uh, in your existing premises. We are seeing that the legal process is certainly taking longer. We always used to have an idea that it would take between four and six weeks with regards to lease negotiations. But we're now seeing that certainly three months and sometimes, yeah, between three and six months. And that's probably a reflection of incoming tenants aren't putting pressure so much on their solicitors. So if one party's a bit slow, then the solicitor will get the blame for it. And sometimes it's completely not their fault, but everyone likes to blame someone. What we are seeing is that you need a specialist solicitor. Um, the amount of transactions I get involved with where we ask one of the parties involved if they have a solicitor and they say, well, I, I know a solicitor. I, I think he might do commercial or she might do commercial. And when you get to it, they don't know what they're doing. Uh, that adds an awful lot of time to it and they don't understand the process. So it's getting the right solicitor and I would say number one is getting a solicitor that is contactable. We find in some cases you can never speak to a solicitor on the phone and it's a very slow response on email and it, it's critical that you've got to have a dialogue with your solicitor. They know a lot of the bits that we don't. Absolutely agreed. Um, yeah, that, that relationship between client and solicitor is incredibly important for understanding where your client wants the transaction to go and how to facilitate that. In terms of the actual negotiations, are you seeing any sticking points on any particular areas within lease? I don't know, for example, break clauses, alienation, any of that side of things? Yeah, alienation never really comes in into it too much. Uh, depends on the property and obviously whether you can sublet in part. That becomes more important for people who have multiple floors in the building. They certainly want the ability to be able to let in part, but that, that's been around for quite a while, really. And landlords are quite happy that a sublease of part could be done if they've got the right tenant in there and the right covenant strength. I think the main issues tend to be the whole package. So if you're paying a very high rent, you'd expect a lot of rent free. If you're paying a more modest rent, then you might well get more rent free. It's really making sure that the tenant gets the right product though. So if the product's right, things tend to be fairly smooth unless someone's eye gets turned to another property. That happens if the legal process is taking a long time which is why we do recommend now for certainly for decent sized lettings, perhaps anything over three, 4,000 square feet, that it's going to be let. Why wait until a tenant is found to start the legal process? You're going to let the building, that's why you've got an agent involved. If you've got an agent involved, why not get the solicitor involved, get the draft lease done now? It might have a slight alteration, uh, obviously needs some information inputted into it, but it's still relatively going to be the same document. Yeah, agreed. I think there's definitely very useful points in terms of thinking how to kickstart a transaction in the right way. So ju just to bring this round and sort of conclude, it doesn't seem like the office is dying as we all feared two to three years ago. But have you got any sort of other general thoughts or, or, or trends you'd like to sort of reflect on within the within the market, particularly around 
office spaces as we currently stand. Yeah, I, I just think really that I would expect to see an increase in Cat A plus space being offered. So it is fitted out, it is ready for tenants to move into. Whereas before it used to be rent freeze were given for the tenant to do the fit out. I think that landlords will continue to be um, more and more required by tenants to actually do the work for them, which makes sense. I think with it being more grade A accommodation that is being let, there's probably going to be some buildings, particularly when you can't let a building below a certain DPC rating. The economics of it may just make some buildings redundant, particularly if they've got older M&E. We are seeing that fit-out costs are significant. In some areas that we cover, the cost of the building to buy is less than it would cost you to build now because it needs upgrading, it needs fit-out, and those can be 150 to 200 pounds a square foot. You can buy some buildings for under 150. So I think we'll see some obsolescence of buildings I also think that we might see companies adopting a sort of cog and spoke uh, location strategy. So you have a, a London base or a city centre base, wherever it is, and then you have more regional offices that encourage people to work in them because I think companies are going to look at difficult economic times and ask their staff to put more effort in to be in the office so they can see what they're doing and there's greater transparency. But it's going to be an interesting time. The market works on three or five years sort of lease term cycles, typically. And we are three years past COVID. In two years, we'll be five years past COVID. And there wasn't a lot of deals done in the heart of COVID. So will that mean in 2025, there's no lease events, so no one's going to a lease end. So will 2025 be incredibly quiet? We'll see. Uh, thank you, Matt. Yeah, thank you for the, uh, your time today. Some really interesting reflections on what we're seeing currently in the markets. So as I said, this is part of the first of a, a, a new series that Dentons are putting out following Purple Bovine through a lease transaction to move office space. Uh, next time, we'll be talking to our property litigation team about potential exit strategies for Purple Bovine and how to essentially exit their current lease. Uh, so thank you for listening and hope to speak with you again soon.